0: What a wonderful job lifting up Jesus, and I like that everything tonight just lifted up Jesus. What a wonderful name he has. 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter number 18. Again, I appreciate the invitation to be here, and I want to be a blessing to you this week as as, uh, the Lord has blessed this meeting in the past, and I really want you to hone in tonight it would be a little bit of a departure from this morning, and I appreciate the kind words after the sermon. I had some prayer with several people afterwards. It was a blessing as well, and so I pray that the God, Lord really touched you uh, this morning. I want to talk to you out of 1 Kings chapter 18. I want to really kind of set the pace for the rest of the week and tonight, and uh, the Lord's already been good. We had a great meeting yesterday. If you missed it, oh my goodness. Uh, it was a good man up conference, and that was actually the first time I think I ever heard uh, Pastor Fury preach. I don't think all the years I've been here, I have preached, and I've never heard him preach until yesterday, and uh, and I think it was the first time I heard Brother, Brother Stone, Brother Al Stone preach as well. And so they blessed my heart and challenged me, and I appreciate that. Hopefully, I'm a little bit of a blessing as much as they were to me. The Bible says, verse number 17, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah... That Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and, thy house, thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and followed after Balaam. You know, in these days in which we live, we have been identified in many cases as Christians as we're the ones that are the problem. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And, uh, when they look at us these days, they look at our convictions, and they look at biblical truth, and they look at our lack of acceptance of lifestyles, and they look at us of a lack of a, a, a political uh, accepting and a lack of uh, morality on their parts, and uh, whether we're dealing with life and death matters, or uh, whether we're dealing with matters of uh, finances, and they've identified us as we are the problem. But like Elijah, he clapped back, as the young people would say, he began to say, I'm not, I'm not the one that troubles Israel, but thou and thy house have troubled Israel. You've forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you've followed after a false God, Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all of Israel and unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450 and the prophets of the Groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. The Bible says, of course, he sends out there and he gathers them all together. And in verse number 21, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Then Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And you call on the name of your gods. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered it is well spoken. What a, what a challenge that Elijah puts out here. And we're familiar with this story. Most of us have been around church long enough to be familiar with this story. And we know what has happened. Elijah has thrown the, the, the proverbial gauntlet down. And he has said to them, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a toe to toe fight. We're going to have a head off. Uh, we're going to have a, a, a world championship match of who's the real God. The Bible says that Elijah says, why don't we get two bullocks? You fellas can get over there and there can be 850 of you. There's 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of, 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 of the groves that sit at Jezebel's table. And by the way, you know, it's amazing. Oftentimes the right crowd is the crowd that is often standing alone. You ever notice that the closer Jesus got to the cross, the more lonely he got. There were 5,000 when he fed them with the fish and the bread, and, and, man, they were thronging him. The Bible says there were 5,000, let alone women and children. There may have been upwards near ten to 15,000 people as long as he was feeding them bread, but the closer he got to the cross, the smaller the crowd got. Then all of a sudden, he's, he's uh, with a smaller crowd, and then as he gets closer, he's with the 12, and, and then even the 12, uh, he goes on uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he only has three Yet when he goes to the cross, the Bible says there stood by the cross, only one of them, that disciple whom Jesus loved. The closer he got to the cross, the more lonely it got for him. And he says, fellas, we're going to have a showdown. You can have your 850. And I, even I alone, am left a prophet of the Lord. He said, we're going to dress these bullocks and we're going to put no fire under it. We're going to dress it, and, and we're going to begin to uh, put some uh, uh, some things on there, and we're going to put that bullock, and we're going to sacrifice, and I'll even let you go first. The Bible says he begins to, they begin to do their thing, and, and Elijah, after much time of these uh, prophets uh, doing their business here, and it says they took the bullock, and they began to call on the name of Baal at uh, somewhere around noon in verse number 26, and the Bible says, and it came to pass at noon, verse twenty-seven, Elijah mocked them and said, "Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he's on a journey, or peradventure he He's sleeping; they must be awake." The Bible says, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. The Bible says. And it came to pass when mid from midday until uh, the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. But you know today this world is looking for solutions. We can watch it today, and they're trying to they're trying to find their solutions and they don't know where it is, but they're crying out many times, many of them, and many times they're crying out to the bottle. Many times they're crying out to a pill bottle. Sometimes they're crying out to psychology. Sometimes they're crying out to finances. If they can just get enough money, if they can just get enough fame, if they can get enough popularity, everything's going to be all right. If they can just, their YouTube channel could blow up, and if their uh, Facebook account could blow up, and they could monetize it, or Instagram, and they can get some sponsors, if I can just have my 15 minutes of fame, everything's going to be all right. Yet many of the same ones in the limelight right now with their 15 minutes of fame are taking their own lives because they're calling out to gods. Like the Bible says, that have ears, but they have no hearing. They have hands, but they have no ability to do anything with them. They have feet, but they cannot move. As they're crying out to their gods, Baal, would you come down? Ashtoreth, would you come down? Molech, would you come down? Beelzebub, would you come down? And none of their gods can answer. It says, neither did any regard them. Elijah begins to mock him and say, oh, fellas, why don't you cry louder? Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he needs to be woken up. And Elijah said unto the people in verse 30 come near unto me all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. The Bible says verse 31 he took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob sons of Jacob of whom the word of the Lord came saying Israel shall be thy name. And the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar as great as it would contain 2 measures of seed. This is a humongous trench around the altar. He put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid them on the wood, the Bible says, and he, he said, fill four barrels of water. And pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And, and he said, do it a second time. And then in verse 34, do it a third time. Twelve barrels of water. And they did the third time, and the water ran about the altar, round about the altar, and it filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass, in the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art the God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O hear me, Lord." that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and thou hast turned their heart back again. Look at these words, verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and looked up the water that was in the trench. They experienced a mighty move of God. They experienced a supernatural moving of God. They literally saw the heavens open and the fire of God fall from the sky. They not only watched the fire fall from the sky, they watched it fall in a specific sacrifice. And they watched that sacrifice, that which was being offered, they watched it be consumed. They saw a great victory that day. My oh my, if I talk to every Christian I know of, everyone I know wants to see a miracle of God. Everyone I know wants to see a mighty move of God. Every preacher I know, every evangelist I know, several of them text me every week of the world and say, we're praying for you. We're praying for the power of God to fall. We're praying for God to do something in our lives. We're praying for something to happen. We're praying for America. They're praying for all the way from the president down uh, to the man on the street. We're praying. We want to see a mighty move of God. I've been fortunate enough to see Some of it. Brother Baker, I don't think I've seen the move of God that I could see. We've been fortunate here in years gone by to experience some of it. We have seen a glimpse of what I believe was the fire of God, not in a physical form, but in a spiritual form, come down in this church about four years ago, and we saw the power of God come down, and we saw people being consumed, and we saw lives being changed, and we saw eternity come down, and we saw people stand at this pulpit here and stand where they were, and begin to weep and testify over their salvation. We saw the waters of baptism being stirred. We saw those under conviction days after day after day. We watched God begin to move, and yet some of us, we become satisfied. Well, let me tell you tonight, I don't believe we've seen the fire fall like we could. But I want you to notice something tonight. I want you to notice what happened before the fire ever fell. You look at every major move of God in the Bible, and it would do you well to back up and see what happened before God ever moved. You ladies, every lady in the room tonight, you say, Man, when you have something good or great that some other lady made, oftentimes will say, Hey, can you give me the recipe on that? Can you tell me how you did that? What's the difference between your cookies and mine? What's the difference between your cheesecake and mine? What's the difference in the way that you did that? And oftentimes I look at a piano player and I'm thinking, man, and I'm not a technically trained piano. Please find piano players here. I'm not technically trained. I just kind of mimic it and 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 fudge it until I can do something. And I often look at them and I say, how'd you do that? What what chord progression did you use? What what was your hand positions on that? And don't look at mine. They're terrible. And uh, what hand position do you use on that? I want to know what you did to get done what you got done. And when it comes to a move of God, I want to know what they did. I want to know what happened. Because I want to see God move in my heart and life. Sad to say there's many of us, even sitting in this room tonight, you listening young people? Many of us tonight, we couldn't care less if there was a move of God or not. Many of us who would care about a move of God, we want a move of God as long as it makes it convenient for us. Brother Alan. I want a move of God that would open up freedom for Canada. I want a move of God that would make my life more convenient. I want a move of God that would make my wife more cooperative. Good luck with that one. I want a move of God that would make my husband not a bum. Well, even more good luck with that one there. But I I want a move of God that would just, as long as it shakes my teenagers up, and as long as it shakes those bus kids up, and as long as it shakes that preacher up, but don't shake me up. I'm praying this week, and I'm praying that God will do something tonight to shake every one of us, that we can get to the place where we say we want a Mount Carmel, and we want the power of God to fall in this place, and we want God to do something supernatural that only he could explain we'll talk about that tonight before the fire falls father we pray that you help us from the lord of god lord i need you oh how i need you tonight we'll thank you we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor but whatever you decide to do tonight the truth is the lord i just to the place where if i don't want if i can't see you move I'd rather pack it up tonight and just go home, not waste these people's week, not waste their time. God, I'd rather send the love offering check back or deny it outright than to not see you move in our midst. There are some desperate situations even in here tonight. There are some that are so craving it. Lord, sad to say, though, many of the ones who need it the most are craving it the least. Lord, help us tonight. Would you create in us a clean heart, O God? Would you renew within us a right spirit? Would you restore unto us tonight the joy of thy salvation? Lord, then will sinners be converted unto thee. God, I pray that you'd use this simple servant just like you did many, many years ago to draw your people to yourself. May the fire fall. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. it be very simple. it be very straightforward. I want you to know before the fire ever falls, I want you to understand this. There always has to be a person. There always has to be a person. God in his sovereignty and God in his divine plan has always sought to use a man or a woman of God. God has ordained, it, and by the way, he could have, uh, the Bible said he should have chose the birds of the air to praise him, and it even warns us in one place, it said if we would not praise him, then the rocks would cry out, and can I say to you, if the birds praise him, they'd probably do a better job than we would. They'd probably be more consistent than I would be. They'd probably be more wonderful than I could ever be, but God in his infinite wisdom and his infinite sight has chosen to use a man mankind to get his work done. And I wonder, is there anybody in the building tonight that says there may have been only one Elijah, but I want to be that man. Lord, if nobody else wants revival here, and if no other teenager wants to pay attention And if all of them are playing games, and if every one of them consumed with TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all these other sites, Lord, if there's one young person here that wants God to work in their heart, Lord, I want it to be to me tonight. I wonder where that teenager is in the building tonight that just simply says, I don't care what everybody else is doing. They might be sneaking around. They might just be apathetic. But I want to be that teenager who wants the fire of God to fall. I wonder where's the young man in here tonight that's in his 20s and says, I don't care what every other 20-year-old is going to do. I want to see God move in my life. Wonder where's the man in his 30s who's settled in his life and settled in his career and he's on his way to becoming success. But he says success is nothing if we don't have the fire of God, if we don't have the power of God in our home, if we don't have the power of God in our church, I want to see the fire fall. Wonder where's the man in his 40s. Who is just realizing that he's going to be off of the scene and not too long here. And he's kind of standing in between that young generation and between that older generation. And I wonder where that man in his 40s is here tonight that says, listen, there's, my days are shortened and I know it. And I don't know how long I have. And I don't know how much health I'll have. And I don't know how many more years I'll have to serve God. And I want to stand as that person tonight. I wonder where the young married couple is. Where's that young married couple tonight? I'm talking about somebody that's willing to stand up and say, hey, I want to be that couple. And if there's going to be a couple in this church that wants to see a move of God and the power of God, I want to be that person. It always starts with a person. wonder where's that staff member here tonight? He says, I don't know what everybody else is going to do but I want to see a move of God. I don't know if anybody else will come in early. I don't know if anybody else will stay late. I don't know if anybody else will burn the midnight oil. I don't know what everybody else is doing, but I want to be that man that sees the fire God fall. Elijah in verse number 22 begins to call out to the people and he says, I, and I only remain a prophet of the Lord. He said, they've got their crowd and they've got their bunch and they've got, they've got their group of people. But even if I have to stand all by myself, I'll be the one that stands. Where's the house mom here tonight? The housewife that just says, I want a family that loves Jesus. And oh God, I need you to work in my children. For some of you tonight, if God were to work in your family, it's going to take a miracle. For some of you that are dealing with situations tonight, you need the absolute miracle. You need heaven to come down and glory to work in that person's life. Maybe there's a lady here and you need God and your husband's away from the Lord or your wife is away from the Lord. Your children are struggling. We need God, but it's going to take somebody that stands up and says, I want to be that man. I wonder where they are tonight. I wonder where the person is that says, "Listen, I don't care how embarrassed I look. I'm going to praise God and I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to fall on my face and I'm going to begin to seek the Lord like I've never sought Him before in my life." Will you be that man? Will you be that lady? Will you be that teenager? No, but I need a group behind me this day and age in which we live. And it seems like like people can't do anything by themselves. They got to have a group. Well, let's all go do this. And listen, I'm for that. I'll preach a little bit on that later this week. I'm for that. I'm for a congregation. But sometimes it takes one person in the congregation here that just simply says, I want God to work in my life. Starts with a person. The Holy Spirit of God, the fire of God is not going to fall on the platform. It's not going to fall on the altar. It's not going to fall on the piano. It won't fall on the sound system. The power of God's not just going to be falling around the room somewhere and you just bump into Him. It happens through a person. I wonder, is there something that burns in your heart today? says, I want to be that person. Not only does it start with a person, I want you to notice this. It starts with a proclamation. Look at verse number 21. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Elijah said, Folks, I got something to say. What I've got to say is, some of you, the reason why you don't see the fire fall is because you've got one foot in Baal and one foot in Jehovah God. I believe the greatest, one of the greatest hindrances to revival are Christians who live a double life. I believe it's some of us Christians that God's music is okay on Sunday, but it's not okay on Monday. And We worship the Lord and we raise our hands and we lift our voice on Sunday. But on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we're, we're halt between two opinions, my friend. And can I say, those of you that are living that life, you will never see the fire of God like you could. I wonder who here tonight is sitting between two worlds. God's calling out to you and say, listen, if Baal's God, then go serve him. But if God is God, then get all in. Some of us that we've been playing the world, we've been playing the world's ways. We've been pumping the world's music in us and we've been pumping the world's philosophies in us. We get so caught up with the things of this life, and some of them are not bad things. We got work, and you've got things going on with family, and you've got vacations, and you've got sickness going on, and you've got a lot of things that are going on in your life. But I'm going to tell you, the greatest thing that hinders you is when something takes you away from the love of God, and it takes you away from wanting to see God do a move in your life. I believe why many of us see it is because we're between two worlds. I ask you tonight, are you all in? Are you halt between two opinions? Brother Allen, you know, I, I, man, I, I, would, I would praise God like that, but. Well, Brother Allen, you know, I would surrender, but. Man, I'm telling you, I would follow Jesus, Brother Allen, but. Elijah called out an entire nation. And he said, I'm going to tell you what your problem is. Your problem is you got one foot in Baal, you got one foot in Jehovah God. Well, Brother Alan, it's good next week. I'm in church this week, but next week, if I don't feel like coming, I won't come. Well, boy, I read my Bible this week, but next week, I don't know about tomorrow. One of the greatest recipes for revival that you can get in, just get all in. Stop sitting on the sideline waiting for somebody else to do it. You be that person, and you make the proclamation. I'm all in for God. Not only that, look at verse number 24. He says this. And he call you upon the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. He said, we're going to make some proclamations. I love the Bible says this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. I thank God tonight. And I'm going to tell you, if you ever want the fire of God to fall in your life, you cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank God I'm not ashamed of the message of the gospel. I'm not ashamed that Jesus died according to the scriptures and how he was buried, how he rose again according to the scriptures. I'm not ashamed of the message of the word of of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the people of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to be a preacher. I'm not ashamed of Christian friends. I'm not ashamed of the place of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the house of God. We have those undercover Christians, don't we? We don't want to let anybody know who we are. Many of us were like, I've got some friends that have had to do undercover police work. And it's always interesting to me. We've had some young people in our church and the, the police department by at our, at our, near, in our area there, and they'll ask some of our young people, they've done it in the past, where they'll go into stores and they'll 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 tell they'll pay the young people to go and try to buy cigarettes at a store. We try to buy alcohol underage. And they'll get in those stores and, they'll, and, they'll, and, and some of them have come back and they said, yeah, that person let me buy. And all of them, they get an immediate ticket. And the businesses will be punished because of that. But they're kinda of going in there incognito. They don't wanna know who they are. They don't wanna know they wanna identify. They don't wanna have anything that sticks out about them. They just wanna kinda of go in there and blend in and do their thing and come back out. We've got a lot of Christians that way, don't we? Well, at work, I don't want to blend out. They might make fun of me. Or when I go to that family reunion, I don't want to be different than anybody else. And so when they tell the dirty jokes, you know, I just kind of go along with it. Or I kind of laugh with it. Or when they're down at the job and they're, they're talking about something filthy, I just kind of go along with it. And we wonder why the fire hasn't fallen. Maybe it's because we haven't made a proclamation yet. The story is in the more American history there was a man who was very instrumental in American history. His name was Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine is known for writing his pamphlets and on one that was called Common Sense. It was on the rule of democratic law, and, and uh, he was very much a, 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 a visionary in that department and on freedom and law and different things, and he wrote that pamphlet called Common Sense. But Thomas Paine was a vehement atheist. Hated the things of God. He hated God. Thomas Paine, as the story goes, was in an auditorium one day. He began to challenge people on the scriptures. Began to spout off his atheistic foolishness. And he said, does anybody want to come up and challenge me? Nobody stood up. They knew how Thomas Paine's fame had gotten him. He was a great orator. He was a great mind. He was a great debater. And Thomas Paine, they knew it. Thomas Paine would rip him to shreds. If anybody would have dared stand up to him. And all the way in the back, a little girl stood up. She began to sing, stand up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. And all of a sudden, a few people around her started to stand. From victory unto victory, his armies shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Then all of a sudden, half the crowd was standing. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The trumpet call obey. For to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. And pretty soon that whole room was standing. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. By the time that song was done, they began to look around and sometime in the middle of that verse, Thomas Paine had slipped out of the building And everybody said, where's Thomas Paine? Where's the atheist? And somebody said, the atheist walked out when the little girl stood up. And I'm telling you tonight, what's going to cause a mighty move of God is God's people are going to have to stand up again. Stand up in the workplace and stand up in your home, daddy, and stand up in your home, mama. And young person, stand up in your schools once again and say there is a God in heaven and that God is a miracle working God. The world has tried to get us to shut up and the world has tried to get us to shut down and they try to get us, don't talk about your God and don't talk about what he's doing and don't talk about getting saved and don't talk about heaven or hell and don't talk about the issues of the day where I'm saying if there's ever a day where we needed God's people to stand up again and make a proclamation, it's today. I'm saying some of you daddies need to go home tonight and say, kids, we love Jesus in this house. This is God's house, and we love Jesus in this house. And some of your mamas need to get those little babies together and say, hey, I've got a proclamation to make tonight. This is God's house, and we love Jesus in here, and I want to let the whole world know, and I want to let my neighbors know, and I want to let my schoolmates know, I love Jesus, and I want to see him. I want to see him do great work in my life. There's going to have to be a proclamation. There's going to have to be in that proclamation, by the way, it may offend some people. We're not trying to be offensive with the gospel, but watch this. The Bible says the cross is an offense to this world. They're never going to love us. Jesus told us right away. He said, if they listen, if the world hated me, they're going to definitely hate you. He's healing blinded eyes, raising up dead people, and they hated him for it. We're going to have to have some people that open their mouth again and say, oh, God, I want it. Oh, God, I want it. And I want my church to know and I want my kids to know. I want. Listen, I am, a, I am a soldier of the cross. I want to stand up for him. I want to see the fire fall. I want you to notice this. There's got to be a place. There's got to be a place. In verse number 30, the Bible says this. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And the people came near unto him. Watch what he did. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. There's got to be a place. There's got to be a place for the fire to fall. And I can find no better place in this town tonight than Bethel Baptist Church. There's going to have to be a place. The Bible said, here's what he did. He began to repair the altar. I love what you did here with this church. I love it. I came in yesterday and, and, uh, and I began to look around. And I said, man, something's different over here. They began to tell me, yeah, when everything got shut down, we did this here, we did this here, uh, this over here. We put some plugs over here for sound. And the Bible says Elijah began to p- repair some things in the place. Do you know why it said he repaired the altar? If you look back about four or five verses, you're going to understand this. The Bible says those prophets of Baal they began to cut themselves after their manner, and they began to mark themselves up and and uh, maybe they used to call them tattoos, but they used to they began to mark them, their bodies up after their manner. They begin to call to their God, and the Bible says they cut themselves until the blood gushed out. But watch this. If you read the Bible, you keep reading in this passage, here's what they do. The Bible says they begin to stomp on the altar. They begin to attack the altar. They begin to tear some things down. And can I say to you today, the world has sure torn some things down, haven't they? They've torn down even the idea of what is a man or a woman. They're tearing everything down. They don't even want to say. I I thought, man, how in the the world? uh, uh, Near our place, they're arguing all the time about gender inequality and paying and pay. And I'm sure that's a little bit of that up here. Well, men are paid this much and women are paid this much. And I thought, if we don't even know what a man or a woman is, how in the world is there a paid discrepancy? How are you going to fight for women's rights when you don't even know what a woman is? They're tearing it down, aren't they? We can't even figure out what marriage anymore. There's a lot of things. Listen, we just, there's a bunch of things that are just torn down. You know what God wants? God says, it's time to repair the altar again. It's time to repair some things in your life. By the way, God wants to repair some broken things in your heart and life. Some of us, if the power of God was going to fall in our life right now, it'd have to fall on the ground because we've built absolutely nothing No place for the fire to fall. There's no place in our life. Our lives are filled with everything but God. We've got work. on. Listen, there's nothing wrong with work. But listen, it's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you. But God needs a place in your life and in your heart. Have you prepared him a place where he can fall? Does he have any time? Do you have any time for him? Oh, but I want him to fall, but we don't give him any time on Monday. We don't have time for him on Tuesday. We give him a little bit of time on Wednesday. We may come to Masters Club or youth group, whichever one's on Thursday now. We may squeeze him in on a Saturday every once in a while, and we may give him a little time, three hours on a Sunday. But, oh, wouldn't it be good tonight if we just gave him a place and gave him some time and said, Oh, God, I want tonight to be the night where I give you as big as a platform as I possibly can in my life. By our nature, we're, compart- we're we like to compartmentalize, don't we? No, Sunday morning that, that's 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 God's square, and if He don't work in that square, that's His fault, not ours, right? Oh no, if He doesn't work at this time and this way, well, that's His fault. Well, you know what I want to do with my life? I want to scrape off everything in my life and say, God, you've got the whole building to work with. And there's going to have to be somebody tonight. Let's get somewhere. And maybe it's not here. Maybe it's when you go home. Maybe it's when you get alone somewhere. Maybe it's on the car ride home. But why don't you give God a place to work in your life? Why don't you say, God, you've got my radio. God, you've got my home. You've got my car. You've got my marriage. You've got my parenting. You've got everything, God. Here's the place. I'm going to repair that altar. Give you a place to work in my life. Does God have a place to work in your heart and life? Sometimes we're filled with so much junk. We don't even have a place. I've been to people's houses and they said, but I don't have a seat somewhere. And I'm thinking, there's so much stuff. Where am I supposed to have a seat? You've been somewhere like that. I'll just 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 move that over a little bit. And I'm thinking, I don't know what's under that pile. I don't want to move anything over. Wouldn't it be good this week if you'd scratch out a place in your life? Say, God, you can move anywhere you want to move. I know some young people. God, you can do anything you want, but don't you dare call me to that. Don't you dare. I know some parents. Kids, you can do anything you want to do. You're not going there. You're not surrendering to. Wouldn't it be good if we just said, God... Here's, here, here's, here's what I started praying years ago. It's a very simple prayer, but it's a very tough prayer. I began to pray in this as a young man in the ministry. I said, dear God, there's no area of my life that you cannot touch. No area. You know what I was saying? Let me open these doors as wide as I possibly can. And you come into every room of this house, and you work how you wanna work, and you rearrange what you wanna rearrange. What I'm asking you tonight is Does God have an altar in your life? Does He really have a place? Are you really to the place where if He moved you, you would move? Are you really to the place in your life? That you're willing to do like he said, those who will not forsake all, they cannot be my disciples. Are you at that place in your life right now? Or is God in a little corner somewhere? And he ought to jump when we say jump, and he ought to sit down when we say sit down. Wouldn't it be good tonight if we at Bethel Baptist Church just began to clear off the altar? Say, God, wherever you want to work, I want to be that place. Not only did it take a person, did it take a proclamation, it take a place? I want you to notice this. It took some preparation. Elijah said this. He said, "Here's what I want you to do." He said, "I repaired the altar," and he said, "Here's what I want you men to do. I want you to go get four barrels of water. Four barrels." Now, Pastor, have you been to Israel? Have you been to Mount Carmel? then you know this to be true about Mount Carmel. Number one, when Elijah told them to go get four buckets of water, they are right smack dab in the middle of a drought. I'm talking about they have experienced three and a half years. Elijah had come to Ahab and he said, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. No rain. Accepted my word. And by the way, we're we're in a pretty big spiritual drought right now. I don't think it would take a theologian to try to figure that out tonight. We're in a spiritual drought. And and, and by the way, if you don't think so, it's probably because you've already killed over and died from the drought. (laughs) We're in a spiritual drought. God has spoken. And they're in the middle of this spiritual drought. And he says, go get four buckets of water. Now, pastor, you know this because you've been there. There is still a well at Mount Carmel, isn't there? Where is it? It's at the bottom of the mountain. Listen to me. I will be, Lord willing, I'll be in Israel and later in the year here, I was supposed to go last year. My trip got canceled. Lord willing, I'll be there later this year. It's at the bottom of the mountain. When Elijah told them, go and get four barrels of water. Those men had to grab a barrel from somewhere, number one. They had to go back down the mountain and fill those four barrels of water. When they were done filling them, they had to take them back up to the mountain. And when they got to the top, they poured those buckets of water on the sacrifice and on that altar. And then he said, Go do it again. Now, if it had been Calvin Allen in that story, it would, one of the people would have said, you and your mama. amen." I'm not doing that again. I barely want to climb these stairs to get back up to the pulpit right now. Climbing the mountain for you. He said, go do it again. They go down the mountain. Fill those barrels again. Come back up to the top. Pour it out. And Elijah says, you boys did a great job. He did such a good job. I want you to do it again. I mean, can we get some like cold cuts and sandwiches before we go back down here? They go back down to that mountain again. Fill those buckets up. Come back up again. If we're ever going to see the power of God fall, it's going to take some preparation. It's going to take some movement on our part. Listen to me. What if they would have said, nah, We're not doing that. What if they would have said after the first time, don't you see, Elijah? I mean, we just walked up here to get here. Don't you see how far that is? I'm not doing that. What if after the first time they said, man, do you know how, look at me, I'm sweating already. I'm withering away to nothing. Just, well, not me, but they were, I'm withering away to nothing. What if after that second time, they said, man, this is stupid. What if they went to other people and said, you you see what he's got us doing? This is crazy. This is, he's, the, the man of God has lost his mind. I know most of us have. They've lost their mind. Hey guys, let's start a union and let's revolt against him. Let's take up a vote tonight. Let's vote him out. I'm just saying, I'm glad there were some people there that say, if God's in it, then I'm in it. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how much I have to sweat. I don't care how much I have to toil. I don't care if it doesn't make sense to anybody. You understand what I'm saying here tonight? I'm saying there's got to be somebody in this room somewhere. that I, I don't care how much it takes. I don't care how much I have to sweat. I don't care how much, I don't care if it costs me some sleep at night. I don't care if it costs me a relationship with somebody. I don't care if it costs me my job. I don't care if it costs me my life. I don't care what it takes. I want to see the power of God fall in my generation. And I want to see a work of God done. And I may have to bury somebody that I love. And I may have to say goodbye to a career. And I may have to say goodbye to some friendships. And I may have to say goodbye to some expectations. But I want so some- much for the power of God to fall. I want so much for it to sweep to this place and through Simcoe and through Ontario that I'll do whatever it takes in the preparation for the fire to fall. Can I be real practical with you? Most of us want to see the fire fall, but we're not going to wake up 20 minutes early tomorrow to see it that's why it doesn't fall. Oh, Brother Alan, I, 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 I want the power of God to fall. My family sure needs it, but we won't dare skip a meal and fast over it, will we? It's going to take somebody going down that mountain and coming back up again. Oh, Brother Allen, I I surely want the power of God to fall in my life. But I don't want to turn off the news this week so I'm not bombarded by the world. I got to read my newspaper, Brother Allen. You got to understand. I got to keep up with everything going on. Yeah, because you're keeping up with everything going on. That's changing stuff, isn't it? Brother Allen, I want the power of God, but I'm not willing to stop watching movies for three days that I might focus on the Lord. See, that's tough. Yeah, I know it's tough. I know it's tough. We put out a challenge at our church. We put out a, 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 a 10 uh, things for to have revival in our church. You know what? One of the number one things people have to deal with during our revivals? Shutting the TV off. Shutting the TV off. Or social media. Some of you, you don't, you can not spend 20 minutes in prayer because you spend all of your free time on social media. Somebody's going to have to sacrifice. Somebody's going to have to say we're in a drought, but whatever it takes. If God said put four, four barrels of water on there, three t- if it takes 12 barrels of water, <clears throat> then we're just going to do it. Yeah, it's going to cost us a little money. Yeah, it might cost me some sleep. Yes, it might cost me uh, 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 some being aware of what's going on in the world today because I'm not reading all the junk of the world. But somebody somewhere has got to be willing to sacrifice again. Say, I'm willing to go where nobody's going to go. I'm willing to go farther than somebody's ready to go. I'm willing to stay longer than somebody's willing to stay. I'm willing to get up. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. God, give us a generation again of pioneering Christians that say, if I've got to walk a mountain, if I've got to go three times, I want to see God work in my life. There's going to have to be some preparation. Look at this. You wonder whose bullock that was. You ever thought about that? Somebody, Brother Cody, had to sacrifice something. We live in a day and age where we want everything, but we don't want to sacrifice. Boy, I've got a car, Brother Alan. I've got a house, and I've got to get a boat, and I've got to get a motorcycle, and I've got to get this, and I've got to get that. Maybe it's going to take us some sacrificing again. He said, there's going to have to be some preparation. Somebody's got to build that altar. Somebody's got to help repair the altar. Somebody's got to get the bullock. You got to prepare your heart and you got to prepare your life. Verse 36, I won't even spend much time on here. It's going to have to be some prayer. I preached much on this yesterday. Verse 36, he begins to call out to God and say, Oh God, we need you. There's going to have to be some prayer. According to verse number 36, he praises a word prayer. He says, Thou art the Lord God. He says, uh, uh, He says, I, uh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that thou art the Lord God of Israel, and that I am thy servant. He begins to pray. You know, one of the greatest things to see a move of God this week you could do is pray. Pray. Get on your face. You know no, that's the preacher's job. No, it's our job to pray. Well, that's No, it's every one of us in this room. Could you imagine, Pastor, if everybody got up tomorrow morning and spent twenty minutes, fifteen, just just fifteen and twenty minutes in prayer? Could you imagine the meeting we could have? If everybody in this room right now spent minutes in prayer, I'm not talking about an hour. I'm not talking about a a season of prayer. I'm talking about just 15 minutes in prayer. One of my mentors in the ministry is a man of prayer. He said that he made this statement. He said, prayer is the most talked about thing in the Christian life and the least done. Did you pray before you came here tonight? Have you've been praying for this meeting, we need prayer. And I'm going to tell you, if the fire is going to fall in this generation, I said it yesterday to all the men that were here, and you better realize this, you're not going to vote your way out of what's going on right now. The fix is in. The numbers aren't there for you to vote your way out of what's going on in Canada. We're going to pray our way out of this. Sometimes when we come to the power of God, here's what, we, here's what we seem like. A man went to a doctor one day, and he had some tests done, and he came back, and he called him back in there. And when he got in there, here's what the doctor said. The doctor said, well, he said, well, let's pray before we get started. And the man said, oh, no, it's come to that. And that's oftentimes how we treat prayer, isn't it? We try everything else. Give give me some matches. Give me a a flamethrower. You know, this is why, Brother Baker, this is why Elijah said, don't put any fire under it. Don't put any fire under it. We're not trying to manipulate this thing. We're not trying to draw something out. We're not trying to make something up or soup something up here. I want no fire under it. Because the God that answers by great and mighty things is a prayer answering God. There's probably, I'm going to take my glass off because I don't know who I'm talking to. There's probably some people right now that are backslidden and out of this church right here. When was the last time you prayed for them? I ask people things like that. and Here's what they say. Man, it's going to take a miracle of God Exactly. Exactly. It's going to take a miracle of God. Kind of like fire falling from the sky. But there's going to have to be somebody that believes God enough to pray. There's going to have to be somebody that knows that God can sweep through this place again. That prays and gets a hold of God. Lastly here tonight, before the fire falls, I want you to notice this. The purpose. They had a purpose. Verse 36, he said this. He said, "He come unto me, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel. Let it be known this day. Here was his purpose. Let it be known today, this day, that thou art God, and that I am thy servant, and that I've done these things at thy word. I believe in many cases, in independent Baptist churches and Christianity at large, I believe in many cases, we want to see a miracle. But I believe we don't see miracles because our purpose is so far off base. You know, Brother Allen, if, you could, if God could send a miracle, I mean, we'd have to do something for our television ministry. Boy, if God were to send a miracle, the average preacher, they could not handle what has happened here in the past and how God moved because they'd want to write 15 books on how to have an all-out revival. They would have sent their message to the the sword of the Lord paper and all all the other papers. And I'm not against them, but I'm just saying they would have sent it to a magazine somewhere. They'd have wrote a book about it. They'd have made all kind of uh, 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 aggrandizing statements about themselves. But I'm going to tell you, I believe one of the reasons why we saw God move is because we just simply wanted people to know that there is a God in heaven. And that God can move and that God can save and that God can change lives. Some of us need to get our purpose renewed tonight. Say, I just want God to move, so that they know that there is a God. Listen to me. I want. I want my ki- more than anything in my life. I want my kids to know that there is a God. My wife was texting me all last night, and she said she, said she couldn't go to sleep. She was having a conversation with our boys. Man, they were talking about the things of the Lord, and she's, she just said, and I could tell her heart was so burdened, and she said, I just want you boys to love Jesus. And I don't care what God calls you to do, but we want you to love the Lord, and we want you to love people, we want you to serve God. You know why? Because it's real to us. It's real. And I want it to be real to my, it, listen, to raise kids in this day and age that love God in any way, it's gonna be, take a miracle. And parents, we better wake up and realize that we need some miracles. I'll never forget the time my son was praying, my son Aaron. And this was back when he was maybe eight years old. We pray every night before they go to bed. We have prayer time, and a lot of times they'll come down. If dad's up there, if mom is upstairs, they'll pray with her. If not, if she's already sleeping, snoring, they'll come down and say, Dad, it's time to pray. But this time they were so little, and my son Aaron, he started praying. Anybody that knows him knows he's goofy. I mean, he's as goofy as, as, as his mother. and uh, No, he's, he got that all from me. And he started to pray in his little seven-year-old voice. He's like, dear Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for Batman and Superman and Wolverine. I'm like, I'm about to smack him. In the middle of prayer. And I'm thinking, he's acting just like his mother is. (laughs) And he started thanking God for Spider-Man and Batman and and, and, and the Punisher. And I'm like, what is wrong with this kid? I was getting ready to interrupt him, Calvin. I mean, I was like, whose kid is this? He's just going on and on about all these superheroes. And then he said this. He said, Lord, because... We know they're not real, but they remind us of your power. They remind us of what, and I I went from wanting to slap him, Brother Fury, to wanting to shout the hallelujah. That's a miracle. I don't want my kids, I'm not raising my kids so they don't embarrass me. I want to raise my kids so that they know that he is the Lord God. I don't just want somebody to walk down the aisle so I could talk about it on somebody's blog, so I could put a notch in my spiritual gun. I don't want somebody to get saved in my meetings just so I can run around the country talking about, oh, this happened, and this happened, this happened. God, To God be the glory, to God be the glory. It's because I want a city to know that there's a God. I want my relatives that that some of them hate God. They hate me for being a preacher. I want them to know that there is a God. I want those people that I work with at the gym and I teach jujitsu, I want them to know that there is a God in heaven. I want those I preach to to see somebody that loves God enough to say, I don't care what it takes. If I got to stay away from my family for a week at a time, if I got to sacrifice some ball games, if I got to sacrifice money and some of the accolades of the world, I don't care what it takes. I want to see a move of God. I'll never forget sharing my testimony with a young man who claims he claims he's an atheist. I mean, absolutely, he's an atheist. I began to share with him my testimony and the things that God had brought me through in my life. And here at the end of our conversation, here's what he said. He said, "It's almost like God was with you. You got it." You got it. It's because he was. Daddy, could your kids look at you tonight and say oh, God's with him? You see all that fire? Are you kidding me? God's with him. Now they may try to deny it, and they may rebel even against you. But they can't deny when that when that sacrifice is frying and they smell bacon on that altar. They know something's happened. Sir, cause your wife, could you, does your wife know that you know God? Does your fellow church members can they look at you and say, "Man, the fire's falling? Man, let me tell you about God's with him. Oh my goodness, God's with her. May the Lord help us. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed here tonight. Very simple message. Very straightforward. We all want to see that fire fall. But can I tell you tonight, if we are not willing to use the recipe, the fire will never fall. Maybe you're here tonight and you realize, Lord, I want to be that person. It's going to take a person, somebody somewhere is going to have to stand up and stand out. It's going to take a proclamation. Open your mouth. Say, I want to be that man. It's going to take a place. Have you prepared him a place? It's going to take a preparation. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take a purpose. And then at the end of it all, here's what happens there's the proof. Verse 39 the fire falls, revival begins to sweep through the nation. And the people are no longer standing between two opinions. I wonder if you're here tonight, and you say, Brother Allen, I know that I know that I'm saved. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, I can tell you about the place, I can tell you about the time where I got saved. If that's you here tonight, would you slip a hand up and say, Brother Allen, that's me. I know that I'm saved. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. You may put your hands down. There were a few in this room who could not raise a hand. If you're here tonight, and, you, and I wouldn't embarrass you for the world, I don't know your name, I won't call you out. I'll just say thank you, just like I did with those people right there. But I want to pray for you that God would help you make that decision. We sure would love to take the Bible and show you how to be saved. But if you don't know that, I'd love to pray for you. If you say, "Brother Allen, that's me tonight. I need to be saved by the grace of God. I don't know for sure that if I were to die, I'd go to heaven, but I want to know." Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that tonight? We had a young person get saved this morning. Is there anybody like that tonight? Oh, that's me, Brother Allen. Would you pray for me? By your admission, you're saved. If you're not, man, come to me after the service. Come to the pastor. We'd love to tell you how to get saved. But I wonder who in here tonight. See, Brother Allen, you were preaching to me. I want to see God do something. I want to be that person and I want to make that proclamation and I want to prepare a place and I want to make the preparation, whatever it takes. If I've got to walk up a mountain, if I've got to get up early, if i got to stay up late, if I've got to fast, if I've got to go without TV, if i got to go without the news or a newspaper, I just want God to work. I'm going to do what preparation. I'm going to pray. I'm going to renew my purpose of saying, I just want God to move for God. I'm not trying to make a name for myself. I'm not trying to build some name for a ministry over here. I just want God to work. And at the end of my life, I want to say, I've given my all to Jesus Christ. And I saw God come down. And I can point to this church, and I can point to other places. I can point uh, back to Arkansas. I can point back to camps was Wisconsin. I can say, oh, I have seen God come down. And it wasn't for me. It was that this world may know that there is a God. And that he may turn their hearts back again. God, touched your heart. We're going to extend an invitation momentarily here. Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us. God, help us, help us. Oh, God, we need the fire. Lord, I'm tired of preaching meetings with no fire. I'm tired of singing with no fire. Lord, help that to be our hearts. I'm tired of teaching Sunday school with no fire. I'm tired of raising my kids with no fire. Tired of a marriage with no fire of God. Tired of going off to work and being a dead Christian and there's no fire and nobody's getting saved and nobody's asking me questions about you tired of running a business with no fire of God tired of sitting through church service after church service with no fire would you stand with me tonight everyone standing maybe you're at that place tonight I'm going to invite you to come something I already have say oh God God done with that life would you make your way if you've got to say excuse me to somebody you, you can do that I'm not going to live a fireless life I want God to move so bad if I've got to walk up a mountain if I've got to sacrifice the dearest thing to me they sacrificed a bullock that was an agricultural society that's like sacrificing a John Deere tractor he said, I don't care what it takes. Somebody in Simcoe is going to have to start saying, "I don't care what it takes." Well, I'm tired. Yes, we're all tired. You know what I notice? This the devil's crowd's tired too. But there's the Bible. We say there's no rest for the wicked. The Bible says they they stay up all night. And they howl like dogs. And some of us, before we knew Jesus, we spent our bodies for the devil, didn't we? We didn't care what that liquor did to our bodies. Yet we're worried about how long we got to kneel in prayer. We didn't care how high the drugs made us. Yet we complain if worship goes a little too long. You know, it's easy to talk about revival, but what I'm talking about tonight, this is what brings revival. You can't have it without the recipe. Some of us think God's just going to come down in the cloud somewhere. And all of a sudden, he's just going to get under. Some, some of us think, God, is like, it's like COVID or a cold, or we just kind of catch it because we're around. It's going to be on purpose. You want it? I want it. I want it so badly, I'm willing to come to a foreign nation and say, God, please use me. God, I've got to have you. We've got to have them today. May God help us to fire. May the fire of God begin to consume us again. May the fire of God begin to take over our lives and begin to change us by his grace, Pastor.